This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, helping the people of the world to live healthy lives. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you all for joining me today. Happy New Year to everyone. I hope that 2022 is off to a great start. I know that this year is going to be a good one. By now, our New Year's resolutions are well underway and we're filled with excitement for what the new year has in store. If you're like me, though, you're probably struggling to coexist with COVID. Don't even know how to do that. But at this point, I'm not so concerned about my own feelings regarding the pandemic, I'm more concerned about the impact that COVID is having on our children. Restriction after restriction, school closures, extracurricular activities are cancelled. It's really an emotional roller coaster and one that may have lasting effects on our children. So joining me today is Tanya De Silva. She's a child and youth therapist, and she's going to discuss how children are being impacted by all the lockdowns. Thank you so much for joining me, Tanya. It's a pleasure to be able to speak with you today. Thanks for having me. So I think that all parents are concerned about how COVID is affecting their children's mental health. We know that many children are reporting declining mental health since the initial lockdowns. So what are some of the things that parents should be looking for? So the first thing that I always mention is I feel like we're obviously forced now into isolation, but we're also noticing that our kids are isolating themselves from, you know, even connecting with friends, coming down and spending time with the family. So if they're in isolation, but we're also noticing that, you know, they're really isolating from even just communicating or being near friends or family, that's a big one. We're seeing a lot of hopelessness in our kids where they just kind of feel like, what's the point? This is continuous, especially a lot of them that have got vaccinated are really questioning that now because they felt like they did what they were supposed to do and they're still home from school. Um, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of kind of depressive uh, thoughts. We're seeing that come up a lot. Lack of interest and motivation in school and you know staying connected and things along those lines. And for some of our kids, we're starting to see kind of that self-harm mentality um, or that self-harm actually kind of playing out at home. So those are things that a lot of parents are bringing to our attention. And it's something that we're always stressing, you know, especially with current times. We've been in this for a while. A lot of our families are like, you know, I don't know if I should get support. I don't know if we should wait until, you know, after the lockdown. And the biggest thing that we always say is everyone needs support now. This is probably the only time in history where everyone can say they've probably struggled with their mental health at some point in the last year and especially the kids. Um, so support is definitely something we want to focus on sooner than later. So you said something about like the children are choosing to isolate themselves. So for parents who feel like, you know what, it's okay, you know, my child is home and safe, um, you know, in his or her room all day, kind of all night, this actually isn't a good thing. So how do we explain to parents that understanding that they're choosing to isolate themselves from everything is not healthy? And how can we change this dialogue with our children? Well, the way that I always go about it is as humans, like we need connection, we need community. It's human nature to need love, to, you know, need touch, affection, laughter, connection. So that's something that we always normalize where, yes, you know, we are now in isolation and that in itself isn't normal. (laughs) It isn't something that, you know, humans typically, um, you know, experience. A lot of the times we find, you know, even prior to COVID, when individuals were isolating and, you know, going through that, they were typically struggling with mental health. It was depression or it was anxiety or it was something that was forcing them into isolation. So we always explain kind of the why behind it and just the importance of, even though it feels like, okay, there aren't a lot of options or there's not much to do, 
and we're all kind of disappointed and bored with what our options are, we need to make that conscious effort to stay connected, you know, whether that's just even over the phone, if that's FaceTime, whatever it might be, um, that's really helpful. And then even within the family dynamic, also making sure that, yes, you know, we're all isolated together, but what's happening is for a lot of families, everyone's isolating into their own quarters, into their own room. And we've really been pushing for families to be like, okay, if we're stuck in the space together, we're going to make, you know, a conscious effort to also come together and, you know, plan moments together so that we don't fall into these ruts because we realistically never know how long these lockdowns are actually going to last. So we always want to be proactive there. I, I agree with that. And I feel like, you know, it, it's really important and it's, but it's also very difficult to always want to plan things with your children when they're at ages where they want to be with their friends. So my children, mm-hmm. who are 13 and 15, um, they're actually very upset about school lockdown and as as well as their extracurricular activities being cancelled. I mean, the lack of activity in these children and youth is going to have an overall negative effect on their health. So are we seeing an increase in eating disorders and lack of self-confidence as well? We definitely are. And to kind of touch on the extracurriculars, that's always something that we struggle with the most and our clients struggle with the most where they're missing out on these extracurriculars. But again, they're giving them physical outlets. They're giving them supports that they need. So whether it's, you know, tutoring or like we offer social emotional groups and those are things that are always really beneficial, especially now. A lot of sports, a lot of our kids, like that is a part that really just builds their confidence, you know, sports, dance, whatever it might be. And all these things are being stripped from them. So they are upset, they are struggling, um, and they are, you know, really looking forward to those things coming back. It is influencing, you know, things like eating disorders and obviously lack of confidence. And it's interesting because when we're talking to our clients about it, a lot of them are like, you know what, I'm turning to um, alcohol or drugs because it's a way that I'm actually altering my mood, even if it's for a short period of time, or even if it's not okay, but it gives them a sense of control. A lot of them are turning to eating disorders because they're like, I can't, you know, control anything else in my life, but I can control what I'm putting in my body. Um, we're seeing it even with self-harm, where a lot of our kids are like, I can't control, you know, this emotional pain, but when I self-harm, it's a distraction. I have to focus on the physical pain. So they all know that it's negative coping methods, but we're definitely seeing an increase in them turning towards those. And and that's so scary to me that, you know, we know those things aren't normal and a, a, a great way to cope with stresses in life. But this is where our kids are being forced to turn because it gives them that sense of control. And right now, nobody has control over anything. So it's really, it's really, um, you know, a catch 22. Um, are we noticing that preschool children um, are getting, are, are, you know, reporting decline or parents are reporting decline in the children, the preschool and kindergarten age as well? And are we looking for the same signs that you mentioned earlier? So I find that across the ages, they're all struggling with it in different ways. And these signs kind of change a little bit, obviously, depending on their development. But when it comes to preschoolers and kids in kindergarten, it's interesting because we are seeing like a severe decline and it's because a lot of these kids have totally missed out on kind of those foundational moments of development so a lot of them when it comes to education they are the age that's struggling the most to be successful virtually because it's not natural for them to be in front of a screen they don't fully understand it they don't want to do it so we're seeing a lot of emotional meltdowns we're seeing you know an increase in frustration and anger and that's something that parents are bringing up to us And that is a symptom and a sign of kind of the struggles of COVID because it just, again, doesn't feel natural for them 
to be in front of a screen or to have to, you know, sit there and listen when they're used to playing and interacting and being with other kids. Another sign that we're seeing kind of building off of that is a lot of our kids have missed out on those adjustment periods, those socialization periods. So in terms of, you know, social development, they are further behind than they should be. And a lot of them are actually a lot more attached to their parents um, than they should be because it might be the only individual or the only adult or the only person that they've really interacted with over the last two years. So we're definitely seeing an increase in meltdowns and struggles with emotions. So that emotional regulation and awareness piece, as well as a big struggle in social skills. So a lot of them are really lacking the social skills that they would have otherwise developed if we weren't in COVID and weren't dealing with these lockdowns. And so in my own practice, I, you know, I talk to a lot of parents and I hear the concerns and it comes up in conversation. And one of the things that I hear very often is that parents of um, school aged kids. So let's say between the grades of, let's say, like one to five, they're extremely concerned that their children are behind. So reading Mm -hmm. is not up to like the standard. Is this something that parents should be concerned about? And how are we going to deal with this later? later on? It's like, that's always a hard one because I hate saying that they should be concerned. Like they should be concerned, but it's also pressure that then they're putting on themselves where it's like, I should be concerned about this. So I need to do something about this. And they're also in a tough situation where there's not a lot that they can do about it because it's just the way that the school system is set up right now. Like there's tons of teachers that are saying the same thing that, you know, they're worried about, kids not learning to read and not picking up, you know, what they need to pick up because things are being done virtually or the constant kind of stop and go. So it is something that we're definitely concerned about. And obviously, you know, we want to do as much as we can in terms of, you know, maybe changing the teaching styles and the way that we're approaching uh, whatever the topic is, you know, getting tutoring, doing it in, you know, different ways. But that's also hard for certain parents. Like we have some parents that they're like, I work, so I have to be on screen all day doing my job so I don't have the time to kind of sit there and help them through it. And then that obviously causes other feelings of guilt and other stuff that comes up, obviously, for parents. So it is something that everyone's concerned about. But we also need to take into account, you know, where are parents at and are they able to take this on? And, you know, what resources do teachers have and how much can they really do um, in the current situation? So if we can, you know, get additional supports in terms of tutors, if we can, potentially, you know, switch the way that we're doing, um, you know, our study sessions or learning sessions to make it more interactive, even, you know, apps or things like that that could help. Anything at this point is going to help kind of bridge that gap. Um, But a lot of it is, yeah, a lot of kids are going to be playing catch up um, when they do finally go back. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way about that. I'm going to bring it up a little bit to the teenage years because I feel like they are the age group that is more aware of what's happening. They're more in tune with what's happening in the news because they hear it. They have more access to, you know, um, computers and news. So is it common for teens to experience fear and anxiety about COVID? So, for example, about contracting it, about spreading it, or about being stuck in quarantine alone. I feel like this would be a source of stress for many teens. It definitely is. We're seeing so many different fears that are forming. Um, for a lot of our kids, it's actually started, you know, forming into compulsive ten- uh, tendencies. So we have some kids that they're obsessively sanitizing, cleaning, avoiding spaces and people. And it's something that they're constantly thinking about. So we've seen this fear and anxiety really manifest into kind of more severe ways. A lot of our teens have now, you know, 
either self-diagnosed or have got a diagnosis for anxiety or depression or things that have come from these fears and these anxieties. So it definitely is causing a lot of mental health issues there. And then when it comes to their actual fears and anxieties, they are worried about a lot of different things. But a big, I find a big concern and fear for them is they don't want to be the reason that, you know, their parents get it or their grandparents get it. There's a lot of guilt there. So they're struggling with, you know, I want to socialize and I want to see my friends and I want to be out there. But then if I do that, I'm risking potentially exposing, you know, my family members and them getting, you know, severely sick or having to miss work or having to be in isolation. So for a lot of them, they're also expressing a lot of frustration where it's like, you know, what I want to do for me to like make sure that my social and my you know mental health is good is also causing, you know, an issue when I'm thinking about putting my family first or my mental health when I'm, you know, obviously worrying and thinking about how my actions could potentially impact them. So they're kind of in between a rock and a hard place, which is causing a lot more anxiety and honestly a lot more depression because they're feeling hopeless about the choices that they have, which realistically aren't many. Right. So my next question is actually very important to me, and I'm sure it's going to be really important to most parents. So is the way a parent copes with the lockdowns and school closures, is their approach and their reaction going to affect a child's reaction? So short answer of that is yes. And the simplest way that I always approach this is if a parent is stressed, a child is going to be stressed, right? So we feed, we typically feed off of each other's energies, even as, as adults. If we're around someone who's stressed out, we're going to feel that and it's potentially going to cause us to feel stressed, right? So that's the first thing I always talk about is energies are contagious. So if we're stressed out, they're going to be stressed out. Another thing that's really important to think about is modeling. So if parents aren't coping properly, that's what's going to be modeled to their kids. And that's the coping styles and methods that their kids are going to be watching. So again, not only do we feed off of energies, we also feed off of what's being modeled and shown to us. So we really want to consider those two things. So it's important to think about, you know, who is my audience right now? And what is it that I want to kind of put on for the audience that I have? Of course, we're human. We're still going to be stressed. We're not always going to cope with things properly. It's expected, especially when, you know, for a lot of parents, we got two days to really, you know, think about what am I doing? My kids are homeschooled and I have to go to work. So, you know, when you don't really have a lot of time to prepare, it causes us to not be the most prepared um, in terms of handling, obviously, what's being thrown at us. So I always say just think about the audience. You know, if it's hard to cope in that moment, just make sure that there isn't an audience so that you're, you know, kind of feeling that stress or, you know, releasing that stress in a way where it's, no one's watching this. So this isn't impacting my child. Um, But what we really want to think about is when we are in front of our kids, what feelings are we kind of giving off? What are we showing them? And then also what coping styles or methods am I using? And is this something that I do want to model to my child? Is this something that would be beneficial for them to watch or something beneficial for them to also implement in their life? And then the last thing there is making sure they're also using it as a teaching moment and a learning method where it's like, you know what? I get stressed too. This is hard for me too. This is what I'm doing. You know, you can use this too. Or how do you think this would help you? So we can really make it into an open dialogue and into an open conversation to see what our kids are struggling with too. That that makes so much sense. And um, I try to always be honest with my kids. So I love that. Thank you. When we come back, coping strategies to maintain a positive outlook and improve mental health. This is the Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. 
Tweet us at 1059theregion or email us info at 1059theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 1059 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. Before the break, Tanya and I were discussing the impact that COVID-19 is having on children and youth. School closures, quarantine periods, and no access to extracurricular activities is definitely causing a decline in mental health in our children. So although there's nothing we can do about the school closures and restrictions, there are things we can do to help our children cope. So Tanya, there are a few tips you can offer those of us who are concerned about how our children are being affected. What do you recommend as the first few things that we can do to encourage our children's mental health to not decline? So there's a couple things that we've been doing, and especially with this being our first week back where parents are potentially working from home, We have multiple children at home doing homeschooling. What we started with is creating a consistent schedule as much as possible and reorganizing our space, whatever amount of space we have, to the best of our ability to manage all the new responsibilities and needs that we have. And, you know, these are responsibilities and needs that we now need to meet essentially all of them within our four walls. So that's the first thing that we're thinking about is how can we optimize the space that we have? How are we going to set ourselves up, organize space so that we're all, you know, successful, we're all having our private space, you know, there's no one kind of stepping over each other on each other's toes. And then what we like to do is we actually like to have a family meeting about it and reintroduce the space because now we might be utilizing our space differently. So, you know, with these lockdowns, this is the way that we're going to use use our space now. We're going to confirm the schedule, the expectations, and, you know, just really start recreating that feeling of security and structure within the four walls that we're going to be stuck in. So that's where we typically start. We also like to start opening up to, you know, is there going to be an issue with the way that we're laying this out so that we can get ahead of it sooner than later? And obviously over the week, we'll start kind of noticing if there's things we need to tweak, um, which is why it's important to really set up those regular family meetings during this period so that we are connecting. We are staying on top of concerns or issues and we are constantly communicating about, you know, whatever it is that needs to be communicated about. So that's our first approach. The next thing that we've been doing is a lot of the times we're noticing that for most families, they're like, you know what, I'm going to wait this out. Only going to be two weeks. You know, we'll be we'll be back soon enough. And like I said, a lot of the times we don't really know how long it's going to be. So if we're waiting two weeks and then it's extended, the problem is is now we've got into this rut. So it's a lot harder to get out of it. So something else that we've already been planning with a lot of the families we support is how are we going to get active? How are we going to stay busy? How are we going to get outside? How are we potentially going to create, you know, extracurricular experiences at home? How are we going to find, you know, fun home activities, create rituals like movie nights or game nights or whatever it might be so that we're not all retreating back into our room and then falling into this rut you know, waiting for it to be over. Um, So those are the two main things that we've been focusing on this week. We don't want to overwhelm families. We want to make sure that we're sorting out space and that we're not kind of waiting out something that might actually be extended. And so you mentioned that it's important to check in regularly with our children to make sure that, you know, they have an opportunity to express themselves. So are we checking in or should we be checking in with them individually or in a group, depending on how many children you have, two, three, four kids? Should we make sure that we're making time to speak to each child individually? And should we be having kind of like a group meeting about these emotions? You can do a little bit of both. We always feel like, you know, the group conversations are always beneficial, but 
sometimes our kids don't feel comfortable sharing things in a group setting, right? So especially if potentially what they want to share is about their sibling, um, (laughs) they're either not going to share it if we're doing it as a family meeting, or if they do share it, now we're managing an argument versus actually managing their feelings about it. Um, So we always say, you know, we want to make sure we're planning for um, those family meetings where even if it's once a week, we're checking in on everyone's feelings, but we're also making time Again, once a week, it doesn't have to be long periods of time. You know, if you have three, four kids, like that sometimes can feel very overwhelming. So we even just think about, you know, once a week, um, we can do it the same day, like during bedtime, whatever, we can figure out a time that works. But even just checking in on them individually to see, you know, how are you feeling? Um, Anything that you want to talk about? What's going on? So we like to mix the two where we want to have those bigger conversations about it, but we also want to provide kind of individual time. So some of the ways that we do it um, as well, and again, every family is different, but some of our families really enjoy like a pen pal method where we also put it out there where if there's something that's bothering you, you can write it down and then you can leave it on my nightstand or in my nightstand. Um, And then that way I'll read it and you can let me know if you want me to write you back or if you want me to come and find you, you know, at bedtime or whatever, and we'll talk about it there. So it gives kids kind of independence over if I'm feeling something I can write it down and I can leave it for you. And then I can also advocate for how I want you to address this with me because some kids get awkward or uncomfortable about having actual conversations. So that helps. Another way we've been doing it is through even worry periods. So 10 minutes, you know, depending on how anxious the child is or how much emotions there are that we want to get through. Um, We could do it daily for kids that are struggling more where it's 10 minutes and we're jumping into all your worries and then we're trying to cope with those worries. And if we can't, we're closing it off until tomorrow and we're moving on from the worry. Um, or uh, another thing we've done with some of our families, which has actually been really well received, it's kind of like a communal uh, feelings check-in jar where, you know, every day or a couple times a week, they'll actually drop something into the jar where they're either highlighting, you know, a feeling that they're struggling with that they want to talk about or something that they're grateful for. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to kind of bring in those feeling conversations depending on the needs of the family. That that is so um, that is brilliant, actually, because, you know, you're right. Sometimes kids don't want to express exactly how they're feeling or maybe they don't want to have create the impression they're snitching on their sibling because that's, you know, a struggle as a parent who has more than one child. It's the whole idea is no snitching. We're honest. So I like that because it creates a little bit of anonymity and they can express themselves. That's a really good idea. I'm going to definitely implement that. Mm-hmm. But I'm a person, I'm a parent that likes to communicate and apparently I over communicate. <laughs> um, so what <laughs> phrases or words can I use to help my children or can what phrases and words can parents use to help their children feel more at ease? So one that we've been using a lot, especially this week um, and kind of continuing into the week, Um, is really just highlighting that this is hard. And then obviously kind of following it up with something else that's, you know, encouraging or kind or validating. Um, So a lot of the things that we've been hearing is this is hard and we're going to work together to get through it. Or, you know, this is hard and we're not expecting it to be easy on you or we don't have the same expectations of you. Um, Or this is hard, I'm here for you. Or this is hard, it's hard for me too. So we are really highlighting the difficulty of it because, this week, I feel like it's hit differently for majority of kids, parents, you know, no one, it, no one really thought they were going to be here again. And this time, I feel like it came very quickly where things were going really well, and all of a sudden, it wasn't. So I think just really highlighting kind of the difficulty of it um, for everybody has been something that's really helped where a lot of our kids are like, oh, 
you know, I see that it's hard for mom and dad too. And like, it's hard for me too. So it starts to build that kind of teamwork mentality where it doesn't only suck for me, you know, it, it is hard for everybody else too. Um, so that's when I feel like that we've really been using a lot where just highlighting and being honest about where we're actually at in the situation. And it is hard and it's not fun and it's not ideal. Um, but then moving into something else that's obviously a little bit more positive, a little bit more supportive, um, depending on, you know, what the situation is. And so what about parents who are contemplating setting up an appointment for their child to seek therapy or speak to someone? When to know um, when is the right moment and should they wait or should they just go for it? It's interesting because what we're noticing a lot of is with the families that we're supporting, we're actually supporting the entire family. So I have families that I'm working with mom individually and dad individually and, you know, with the children and we're all focusing on different things that they're kind of going through. Or we have parents that are doing couples counseling together and then their kids are working on, you know, their social emotional development. So what we're noticing is that for a lot of parents that are coming into services, they are actually looking for services for the entire family, which says a lot because it's showing that everybody right now needs it. Um, but we always say we have so many families that will call and they're like, you know what, I'm going to wait until the lockdown's over. I'm going to wait, you know, just in case things get better. And realistically, the waiting never really helps because if we're contemplating it, if we're thinking about it, there's clearly a need. There's clearly, you know, something that's popping up. And especially just considering kind of the world that we're in, there is a lot of those gaps now in social, emotional development and mental health. Um, so we want to be proactive and we want to fill those. So if you're feeling like, you know what, I'm struggling, then this is definitely the time to reach out and get support. But even if you're just considering, you know what, this is hard, um, you want to be proactive and you want to think about, you know, maybe registering in a social emotional group will help with those gaps in social emotional development. Um, you know, now I'm dealing with a child who has anxiety or who has depression, who never really struggled with this before. So maybe I do want to sign up for, you know, a parent mastermind. Um, so there are a lot of options. And I know for us, and I'm sure other clinics are similar, you know, we still have some in-person options for, um, you know, individuals who can't be successful, you know, online and who really need that support. But we also have a lot of online options as well. Um, and a variety of options to support all the different needs that now we're seeing in families. Thank you so much, honestly. And our, your services and the things that you do to help children and families is so vitally important right now, probably more than ever. So I can't thank you enough for joining me today. If listeners want to learn more about you and the services you offer, how can they do that? They can find us at behaviormatters.ca or on Instagram at behaviormatters. That's awesome. And you can always find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Macchiella or my website, ClaudiaMacchiella.com. That's my show for this week. If you missed it, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and of course, Audible. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for listening. The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at HealthyPlanetCanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.